Welcome back, everyone. This is Cabrina, your TDVP from Division 2, and welcome to Div 2 DL Development Series. This is a special episode today, guys. I have the pleasure of interviewing the interim DVP, EUL. He's going to share the importance of talent routines and why he thinks mentorship is key. He's going to start by telling us about him, his career path, and then he's going to get right into the topic. So I'm going to turn it right over to you, E. Welcome. Thank you, Karina. I appreciate the introduction. Hello, everyone. Uh, it's an honor to be here with you guys. You know, when Karina asked me to share this with you guys today, I thought long and hard about how I wanted to present it. But before I do, I wanted to first introduce myself to those that may not know me. You know, obviously, EUL Danye, you know, I've been with the company almost 17 years now. So I, I joined the company as an assistant manager to do a lot more. I knew I had the leadership skills, but they were not fine-tuned. Started getting on my modules and training and became a store manager. While I was a store manager, I raised my hand and wanted to get into the FFL program, which I did. While I was in FFL, you know, I supported my district leader with a lot of things within the district to influence other store leaders and so forth. And then um, I knew I could do more. So I uh, went and interviewed for the Emerging Leader Program. And I didn't get it the first time, Karina. Um, part of the reason is, you know, I didn't, my pharmacy knowledge wasn't up to par. You know, being a front store leader, you know, there was an opportunity there. So I went and got tech certified and, and really improved my knowledge in the pharmacy. And of course, the second time around, I was able to, to get the role. As an emerging leader, I ran the highest volume store in Division Two at the time. It was, it, it did well over 300K in the front store a week, which was uh, over 80 employees, so it was significant. And in the pharmacy, it was over 3,000 scripts, which, you know, really tuned in my, my knowledge so that I could support my pharmacy manager to get to better space. But once I was able to run that store well, I was given that mini district in Brooklyn where I got to show and learn uh, multi-unit leadership, which is very different, right? And power of influence, strategic thinking were two competencies that I, I had to really harness. And, and I started doing well with that. And at the time, my RD gave me the opportunity to run an entire district. I ran parts of the Bronx. I ran Queens, New York. Senior leadership was always in my stores and they enjoyed the culture that they were seeing on their travels. And when it became easy four years into the role. The district leader job started getting easier for me. And I raised my hand again. And I asked for a bigger opportunity to join the RDEL program, which continued to stretch me. I enjoyed that, right? I enjoyed the constant challenge and RDEL further expanded my knowledge and ability. In fact, you know, you learn as a DL, you could really have your hand in a lot of things and drive results. As an RD, it's different. You, you lead at a much higher level through influence. Um, and that, that's the piece I, I had to harness as an RDEL. I did well in the program I interviewed and I was given uh, the Auto Bars of New York City, Region 70, where well, I currently am. In four years that I've been in Region 70, um, I've learned a lot around leadership, people, how to lead at a much higher level. Of course, you all know now I'm being given a stretch assignment in this interim DVP role, which I, I am genuinely excited about. I you know, have the ability to impact people at a much higher level. And one thing that people will tell you about me is that I'm a people first leader because everything that we do at work cannot be achieved if we don't have good people behind us. So, uh, and that's part of the reason why I wanted to get in front of you guys today and have those conversations and share what has worked for me and hopefully gives you an opportunity to reflect on 
what has worked for you, what hasn't, maybe use some of these best practices, implement them in your everyday routines to help you move forward if, uh, if you're hitting the wall. But I am impressed by what I'm hearing in this division and across this company around so many successful people, Cabrina, that, that, that just the underdogs that, that kind of show that they can do the job and, uh, and if they're supported the right way. And, and hopefully I could share some of that today. So the, the topic at hand, um, what I'm here to talk to you guys about today is uh, sponsorship is one. Um, and there is a difference between sponsorship and mentorship because I, I am going to touch on mentorship as well. And, and then ultimately talent routines. Um, so let me start with talent routines because I think it will kind of set the stage for what I want to talk about. You know, for me with talent routines, um, it's important that you have a cadence and consistency. And, and here's the trick about talent and being successful with talent. It, it takes a while to see the results or the fruits of your labor. And that's why a lot of people struggle with it. You know, you could go on three weeks spending two hours interviewing folks and you may not get the candidate that you want but you know the more no's that you have right uh, on this candidates the closer you get to that yes right and, and that's the optimism you need around talent is that there is a little bit of grit and tenacity that these talent routines require you have to say you're tracking sales and you want to improve on sales for example now you could put some merchandise like COVID test kits at the front of your store and drive the heck out of sales, right? It's very different with talent. You're planting seeds and you're watching them grow essentially. And that's the, the perfect analogy that you want to take the talent routines. I would say at different levels that you're at, it's really important to first set an expectation and a standard for the people that you lead. By that, I mean, if you're a district leader, you know, you're charged with the responsibility of developing other district leaders. If you're a store manager, you're charged with that responsibility to develop other store managers, right? For me, as in term DVP, I'm charged with developing other DVPs, right? And so I, I think that understanding has to be there because sometimes when that clear side is not there, we, we spend our time in the wrong places and we don't get to where we need to go. We need our people at the right levels working on talent. They all have to work on it because that's how it continues to grow. So I'll, I'll start with that, setting the expectation, right? And then alignment is important. To align your team, you have to be talking about talent at all times. Start your day reflecting on talent, reflecting on your people. Um, and then more importantly, when you're starting your meetings or when you're having one-on-one -on -one touch bases, let talent be the first topic. For that to happen, you have to truly believe it is at the root of everything that drives performance. And it took me a little bit of time to come to that realization. But once I did, it became very simple and clear, right? Regardless of what's in the way, I have to make time for talent. And it helped me get into these routines. And then around this accountability piece around ownership, your people, have to want to do this, right? Um, you could set the expectation, you could delegate ownership and so forth, but if they're not bought in, it could be a, a disaster for you because it'll clog the pipeline, it'll, it'll, it'll kind of cut the flow, and then now we'll stop, it will cut off the top um, tier uh, talent that we need, right? So how, how do you do that? How do you inspire your leaders, right, to, to work on talent on a consistent basis? And it's, it's by celebrating success. Um, There's so many wonderful stories I've heard over the last couple of years of 
you know, leaders that were cashiers, overnight clerks, right, that are now running stores. If those kind of stories don't inspire you, you know, I don't know what will. And I think at the root of it, that inspiration has to play a bigger, bigger role because you could change lives, right? You know, when we talk about our pharmacists about saving lives on a daily basis, whether it's through patient care interaction and so forth. I think for us as leaders, we can change the livelihood and financial strength of a lot of people and change their trajectory, right? And that's an incredible power to have. And I, I think once you view it that way, it just becomes clear, you know, what our mission is and then it starts becoming fun. And, and there's so many people now that are out there that are vice presidents of organizations, right? Not here with CVS, but you know, that have come across or have, have touched my career path at one point or another. Others that I have personally promoted uh, that are running stores or are senior leaders in other organizations that, you know, still send me messages on LinkedIn saying, thanks for giving me a chance. So I would say we have to capitalize on that. We have to, we have to be very clear that the reward is that. The reward is that, per, that, that gratification that you change somebody's life. But to do it, it comes with these talent routines. And then the last thing I'll say is make it easier for your team. One, one of the things that's helped me in the past is create an environment where your team is able to get into a routine with talent. What do I mean by that? Protect their calendars. You know, give them the space to be able to do so. You know, limit the priorities. If, you, if, if you're going to say talent is my number one priority, what are the other things getting in the way of my team? What's the, what are the other things getting in my way and, and being able to do so? I would say that when it comes to talent routine. And then some, for some, it doesn't come natural, right? You know, they don't know what exactly to do. So maybe you give them a menu of things um, based on the folks that do well, best, um, best in class experiences, right? Give them a menu of 10, 15 things that you have done in the past. And even if they work on one of them, you know, one of the many things, that's still getting them to a better state. So I would say that for talent routines, Cabrina, it took a little bit longer, but I, it, it's just so important that we we get get into a comfortable space uh, with these routines because it does bubble all the way up, right? And, and if the bottom is clocked or completely stops, then we're always going to have to hire externally, right? We're always going to have to look at it. And there has to be a healthy balance of internal, external. But right now, from my perspective, we don't do enough with, with our internals. And that's something that I'm committed to changing here in this division. Well said. I was listening to what you said about developing talent and talent routines and something that really stuck out is like, you have to be strategic. You, know, you think about being strategic when it comes to tactical things like merchandising and ops and so on. But what you taught us, right, is the whole planning piece and protecting the calendar. So that that's fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and then you wanted to talk about sponsorship and mentorship? Yes. Yeah, th thank you for that. So th there is a big difference between sponsorship and mentorship, right? Um, you And I'll put it this way. You can mentor many people. Or, you know, uh, and that's the kind of guidelines I've set for, for folks that have worked for me before. But to sponsor somebody, that, that is a big responsibility, right? And so the mentorship comes first. And over time, it does turn into sponsorship. And, and, but the mentorship is critical. And, and by the way, you know, till this day, I've always kept about three or four mentors. Um, and, and the reason for that is they help you think through, you know, the decisions you're making. 
or what's getting in your way or the objectives that you, you want to accomplish. And by the way, don't narrow it to people in your field. You, you will learn the most from folks that are completely from a different field, that have different perspectives, that don't think the way you do. And, and, and so, you know, the, the first step would be find a mentor, but find the right mentor, right? But in order to do that, you have to take a really good inventory of your strengths and weaknesses. And that inventory is not easy, right? It, it comes with getting feedback from your boss. What do you think I do well, right? What do you think I'm, I'm not great at? You yourself assessing yourself and, and, and then ask your peers, ask your partners. And you'll find that there's, there are one or two common themes across the feedback that you get from them that you say, you know what, yeah, they're right about that. Like, I need to work on that. So once you're very clear on what you want to work on, then you start thinking through who are the people that agree with that? And, and, and sometimes you're not going to know them all, right? And that's why people like Cabrina are great, right? Uh, your HR VPs. To, to be able to, you know, connect you with folks they know because they're, they have a broader reach. They, they've seen a lot more people. They know folks' strengths and opportunities and, and maybe get recommendations. Sometimes the relationships may not work out. You may, they may connect you with somebody and you may just be awkward from day one and you're like, nah, you know what, that's great. I don't want to do it. But then, but, but it will click is what I'm trying to say. When, once you connect with the right person based on, but you got to give it a chance, right? You, you got to give that person a chance to, to have that conversation, to, to have the introductory call. But once that happens and it connects, Build an IDP with commitments and actions that you they could keep you honest to. You know, one of the things that, that um, fortunately happens with us is we write really good IDPs, but they, they kind of get shifted to the wayside and an operation component of our business just take hold and, and we never really uh, focus on it as much. And it comes maybe once or twice a year doing mid-years and yearly reviews. We need to make this IDP conversation more of a regular topic. And, and by the way, that's, that's, a, that's a different series uh, that I'm going to cover with Cabrina. But th this, this sponsorship is important. And for, for folks that are listening here, if you don't have a mentee, if you don't have folks that you're sponsoring, just take a really good inventory and, and make sure those you're around, those, your partners know that you're available to do so um, because you can truly uh, impact a, a life. But the sponsorship piece, um, I want to spend a couple of minutes on and, and we'll close. You know, when you sponsor somebody, it means you're kind of putting your reputation on the line for that individual. That's a great deal, right? But that comes with getting to know that person over time and you feeling 100% confident because now you're, you're risking your reputation. So be careful who, with who you sponsor, but do it. Because part of the reason why I got here is because a handful of folks chose to sponsor me and, and chose to put their reputation on the line. That in turn made me want to exceed expectation, right? Because it's not better than people entrusting in you and then you exceeding that expectation. So I really enjoyed the time. Uh, Cabrina, any questions um, for me today or uh, any topics you feel like? We need to review in the upcoming weeks. Yes. Well, well, first, thank you for uh, just sharing the importance of mentorship and sponsorship. 
you know, the question I have for you is there are times where you identify talent and you want to invest in that person and, and they want to do it. What happens when you have people who are ambitious, but they don't have what it takes to get there? Have you ever had that happen? <laughs> That's a great question. Yes, yes. And I have come across them, but, you know, as a leader, that has taken someone like that, you have to be able to assess that potential, right? And, and do it the right way, right? You don't want to assess somebody not having potential and, and you gearing them towards the wrong direction, right? Like, do you want to maybe take partners before you say, ah, you know, I don't think this person has the potential because potential is very difficult to measure in my eyes. You know, there are some people that have surprised me through my years. So you want to give it the due diligence uh, before you get to that, that, determination but once you do you owe it to that person to tell them and then more importantly share with them what their options are that are more realistic because what's happened is we have in the past over promised right in some cases and some folks were not clear on hey you know this person said i could do this this person said i could do that and then you know, they have these high levels of expectation for themselves, even though the foundation is not there and they don't get to that job. And then they're deflated or they, they don't get that promotion. They, they do not get into the programs and they, it, that, that could be disheartening. So I think giving genuine feedback, it's not easy, but it also shows people you care about them when you do them. You know, they may be upset at you for a moment. You know, they may not talk to you for a week or so, but yeah, regardless, but I, I think ultimately they'll respect you for giving them that feedback, uh, good, bad, or indifferent. And you could sleep well at night knowing that you've set that person on the right trajectory. So that's a good question. All right. Well, thank you, uh, EUL. Well, today we learned a lot about the importance of sponsorship and that connects your professional and personal brands. Whoever you put that stamp on, that reflects who you are. Uh, we know the importance of how self-awareness and collaboration shows up when it comes to mentorship. So it's really good to like learn who you are and, and learn from other people what your opportunities are and then hone in on the right mentor. And finally, we learned a lot about talent routines, protecting your team's calendar so they see the importance of it, focus on talent. We learned the importance of just making sure we shift at different levels. I loved how you explained your journey from FFL to store to DL to RD and how you had to shift your leadership along the way. That's really key in being successful out there. EUL, you've taught us so much. No, I'm going to ask you to come back. I know you have a busy schedule, sir, but would you be willing to come back? Hands down, absolutely. That's fantastic. Well, I can't thank you enough for joining us today and just thank you, thank you, thank you. And guys, if you want to get in contact with EUL, what's the best way to reach you? So guys, uh, Div2, I'm available uh, via email. So um, my email is listed. I don't think there are too many EULs in this organization. So it's E-U-E-A-L, um, you, you'll, you'll be able to find me. Um, also, Kristen Melvin, my admin, you could always email her and she, she could schedule some time on the calendar. Um, and then more importantly, if you want a, a, a conversation, right, you need to call me on the cell. Um, 
definitely send a note to Kristen. I'll call you, um, you know, on my car rides in and out. I'm always in the car as I'm traveling. So uh, all forms of communication work for me. I'm, I, I am um, excited about talent. I hope you guys see that. It's part of the reason why I'm here is because someone took that leap of faith in me. And I'm more than willing to do that for anybody that's looking to. That's awesome. We hear it, we see it, we feel it, EUL. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining today. Thank you, Cabrina.